Thanks, Alice, for leading us in prayers this morning. So as I said earlier, I've just returned from two weeks away. And as has also been mentioned this morning, we've reached the end of the school term. And for many people, even those who, who, don't, um, who aren't involved in education, who haven't got children at school or anything, the academic year still seems to dictate a certain amount of what we think of as holiday season. And so this first weekend of the school holidays, um, for, for many, many people, is, is kind of quite a milestone in our year. And so you, you sort of you get to this point, and you've got six weeks ahead of you. Um, and although, for weather-wise, the summer's already well underway and has been for quite some time, for a lot of people, when we talk about the summer, we still mean the six weeks' holiday. And so, for an awful lot of certainly people who work in education, this is a time when there is a natural pause. There is a natural opportunity to finish work and to put everything away um, for a few weeks at least. But if you're not in education, if your work doesn't follow the academic timetable, we have to be very careful because we don't have those sort of enforced times where our place of work stops. We don't have that moment where we think, the bell's gone for the last time for six weeks, and I've got to lock the door, drive home, and that's me done for a while. Now, I'm not saying teachers get an easy life. Just let me put that out there. Both my parents were teachers, and I'm well aware of the fact that teaching is, um, is a very, very difficult profession, and teachers earn their, their summer holiday. Absolutely. But what I am saying is that I think it's really helpful to have those times when, whether we like it or not, we have to stop. Because we live in a culture where rest and relaxation come with a certain amount of guilt for a lot of us. We don't like taking time out. We don't like taking time where we do nothing. Biblically, there is a very, very clear instruction from God, from God himself, that we must rest, that we must spend time away from our work. And so today, we're just going to look at some of these passages. For many of us, there'll be passages that we're, we're already familiar with, but it's important to be reminded on a regular basis of what God instructs us to do. I mean, to begin with, there's the obvious one, isn't there? We have the Ten Commandments. Now, if I said to you, that one about murder, or that one about adultery, you don't need to worry about them. It's, it's okay. Follow the rest of them. You'd say, Tom, what are you, what are you talking about? It's, it's, that's, that's, that's criminal. That's, that's awful. That's horrific. You can't say that. And yet, and yet for so many of us, we actually do that very thing with the longest of the commandments. The longest of the commandments is the one that says, observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. 
So this isn't just God saying, look, when you, when you feel a bit under the weather, take a, take a little break, it's okay. This is God commanding us. It's a commandment that we observe the Sabbath. So what does that mean, to observe the Sabbath? Well, it, it makes it absolutely clear in Deuteronomy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work. Six days. So a working week, um, for a lot of people in our culture, it's, it's five days. Other people on shift patterns might find that it's slightly different to that. But we normally have five days, and then we have a weekend. So on your weekend, one day, okay, yep, still work. There can still be chores, there can still be jobs, there can still be shopping to get, and the house to clean, and the grass to mow, and all these different bits and pieces. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. The seventh day belongs to God. God doesn't put us to work. God doesn't give us jobs to do. He doesn't have a list. Instead, on it, the seventh day, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. So in other words, you set the example. You do not expect work from anybody. You rest. And all those in your household rest. May the seventh day be a day of peace, be a day of, of recuperation. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. This is a serious commandment. This is a serious commandment to look after ourselves, to set aside one day in seven, to spend time with God and to spend time resting. Do you know, even, even when we're on holiday sometimes, we don't rest. Now, I'm, I'm quite good at resting. I like to sit and read a book, sit and watch cricket, be in the garden, those sorts of things. I find them relaxing. But it's interesting because different people have different ways in which they relax. I'm married to someone who relaxes by just doing things. I know someone else who relaxes by playing sport. Now, I love playing sport. And sometimes it is relaxing. But for me, getting out in the open, getting outside and just enjoying nature, being on my own is a good way of relaxing. You see, we all have different ways of relaxing and God has made each and every one of us different. But the one thing that we do all have in common is that we all need rest regularly. None of us can keep going and going and going and going like the Duracell bunny because eventually our batteries will wear out. 
It's part of our creation. In Genesis chapter 2, after God has created the heavens and the earth and he's separated the waters and he's created the skies and the stars are out there and the planets and he's put the, 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 the vegetation and the animals and the birds and the fish and all these different things have happened and been created. We get to the end of the work of creation and yet we don't get to the end because by the seventh day God had finished the work he'd been doing. So the work has finished but the creation process hasn't. On the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, you'll remember that earlier on, I read that that passage from Isaiah in which we're told in no uncertain terms, he will not grow tired or weary in Isaiah chapter 40. God doesn't grow tired or weary. God doesn't burn out. But God was the the author of all creation. He knows every last detail of your life and my life and the lives of all those people out there in the world. And he knows that, that part of the creation process, he didn't make any of us invincible to fatigue. He didn't make any of us superhuman. We all have these human limitations. And God recognized that we, we need a command to rest. We need a command to take time to focus on him and to focus on us. God rested not because he was exhausted, but because he wanted the seventh day, the day that came at the end of all the work of creation, the most incredible feat of work that has ever been undertaken. Once God had completed all of that, the creation process, the picture of creation wasn't finished because God didn't want us to look back and say, well, look, work, 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 and then start again and carry on. He wanted there to be a conclusion. He wanted us to take rest and to give that time to him. Now, I just wonder um, if you could just take a minute or two to turn to the person next to you and share two things. Firstly, what is your perfect vision of relaxation? And think big here. This could be like a desert island and, or it could be on a cruise liner where you're the only passenger. Anything you like. Your, your perfect vision of rest and relaxation. That's the first thing I'd just like to give a little bit of thought to and share it with, with someone near you. The second thing is a bit more realistic. What have you done in the past week or past month perhaps that has given you that sense of rest. So that's something a bit more realistic. So just take a minute or two. Um, I'll call us to order in, in, a, in a certain amount of time. But just share those two things with someone around you.
bother to go and find some. <laughs> I think mine is a holiday cottage. All right. Cake and biscuits. Just sitting. Nice. Just sitting. I like that. <laughs> In an uncluttered holiday cottage. So. And what about sort of what about the more realistic? Sorry, what, what about what you've done in the past week or the past oh, month? Oh, that's um, okay. Um, I was I was wrecking my brains. I never. I don't think I've actually probably watching something inane on YouTube, which is not very good. But the fact is that was switched me off. Exactly. Yeah. And the other thing was um, a, a quiz of learning the countries of North America, South America, Africa, so that I know them. Wow. And like. And I just can't cope with thinking of anything else. So I, I will memorise the countries of Africa. <laughs> I love that. That's that's, that's brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, but that's really interesting because there's one there's been anything. one that is completely inane, and the other <laughs> that requires a lot of brain power. Yes, that's true. Yes, yeah. yes. But oh. yeah, I, I, I always find myself longing for like a I feel it's watered down at 20 years that I've remembered of, like, Christians and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Okay. That's good. <laughs> right, okay. So we've um, had a couple of minutes. Hopefully that's been enough time for people to, to share. Um, so I'd just like if um, if anyone be willing to um, to share um, what they what they what they've said for those two answers, then um, if you stick a hand up, I'd just love to come and just get a couple of ideas. Gabby, I don't, I don't mind admitting that um, two things really. One is sitting in the garden doing absolutely nothing and eating a Magnum ice cream. Um, and the other one for me is being at Cromer at low tide and paddling and just paddling on the sea and walking up and down and talking to God. I like that. That sounds good. Thanks, Cathy. Any, anybody else got anything they'd like to share? Jim. So a bit, being in the, in the woods with a fire and some wood carving tools, my ideal day. Sounds very, very good. Slightly hazardous with the wood carving tools, but um, yeah. Is there one more? Anybody want to yell down from the balcony? Ah, oh, you're all shy. Keith, I knew I could rely on you. Hello, Tom. Watcha. Um, I struggle with that, really, all of that, really, because my mind is going over time. Almost. 60 things are going in my mind at once. So I really struggle. But I try to... I'm constantly fighting to find peace of mind. So I've got a space where I can just forget about all my worries. So that's my ideal place, but I struggle to find that. Hmm. It's not Carrow Road, then? No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, thank you for, for sharing some of those things. Um, it's a question that we don't get asked a lot, and therefore it's something we don't really think about a lot. And if we don't think about it, then we're not intentional about making sure that we put ourselves into those positions where we can do these things. 
And if we don't put ourselves into a position where we can do the one thing that gives us that sense of rest, then we're not being obedient to a direct command which God included in the same list as murder and adultery. That's how serious God is about us taking rest. And when we put it like that, it becomes quite stark. It becomes quite a, um, a direct, almost uncomfortable commandment because out of all the, all the Ten Commandments, that's probably the one that most of us have broken. That's probably the one that most of us don't give much thought to. The others might be governed by laws of the land or just our sort of our cultural um, uh, boundaries. But taking rest, that's something that we can sometimes just dismiss casually. When God was speaking to Moses, and Moses was, was asking just, asking for God to be with him and say, look, remember, we are your people. God says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So the more time that we spend seeking the presence of God, the more likely we are to find this, this true rest, this peace. Let's not forget, in Psalm 23, we're very familiar with these words, but what about the fact, in Psalm 23, he makes he makes me lie down in green pastures. He doesn't just give me this nice, pretty pastoral image and say, wouldn't that be nice? He makes me lie down in green pastures when I submit to his authority, when I give myself to God. He makes me. Why? Because he knows what's good for me. When I follow him, he leads me beside quiet waters. That's where he leads me, when I follow God. He leads me to this place. Now, it won't be every single day. There'll be other times where, where he makes me go somewhere. I don't want to go because it's blooming hard work, where he leads me somewhere that I am uncomfortable because I'm out of my comfort zone. But there will be these times on a regular basis where he is absolutely clear, I am going to make you lie down in green pastures because that's what you need to do. I am going to lead you beside these still waters because your soul needs refreshing. Jesus, I think if Jesus was a minister in a church today, he would have lost his job pretty quickly. There's one instance in particular. Can you imagine if we ran an event, I don't know, um, community day like we're having at the end of August or... Um, or a carol service outside, or something like that, and we, we got here on a Sunday morning, and there were throngs of people outside. There were thousands of them. Duke Street was, was, was just rammed. It had to be, there had to be a police presence. There were people all around the building trying to get in. Can you imagine, what would your response be as a, as a church if I said, right, uh, just, just lock the doors, will you, and, and uh, let's just all go out the back, all right? Let's just go and uh, get a bit of lunch somewhere, leave them. You'd be contacting the EBA. You'd be saying that we need a new minister. Our one's lost the plot. This is awful. What a terrible thing to do. He's missing the biggest opportunity you could wish to have. And yet Jesus, he'd sent out his disciples. They'd gone out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. All these amazing things happening, these miraculous events taking place. The disciples come back to Jesus and they're, they're telling him what's happened. And there are throngs of people coming. 
There are loads of people coming to gather around because they've heard what's been going on. They've seen the disciples worked and the disciples have said, come and meet Jesus, you've got to come. The apostles gathered around Jesus, we're told in Mark chapter 6. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. These massive crowds, all these people desperate to hear the good news. And Jesus says, right, come on chaps, let's, uh, let's, let's do a fast one, let's, let's get out of here. He'd lose his job if he was a minister today, wouldn't he? But why did he do this? He did this because they hadn't even had a chance to eat. Jesus looked at his disciples and recognized that they were at the point of burning out. If they kept on going and going and going, there would be a point where the adrenaline couldn't sustain them any longer. They had to get some rest. They had to get some rest. Now, as it was, people saw them leaving and saw where they were headed, and while they were on the boat, they hot-footed it round the shore and were there waiting for them at the other side. So they didn't actually get the rest that they were hoping to have. But Jesus recognised in his disciples, you have to look after one another in order to do the work that God has called you to do. We cannot keep going and going and going and going and going. There has to be a seventh day. There has to be that moment where we take rest, guilt-free. Why? Because God has commanded us to do it. God has commanded us to do this. That's the example that Jesus sets. It's the example that he sets. In our culture today, we, we don't observe the Sabbath. There was a time, I know, when, when shops were shut and when nothing happened. You weren't allowed to watch TV. And To be honest, it sounds awful. But that's because I've been brought up in a culture where those boundaries have been, have been overcome. And some people would say, actually, it was fantastic, Tom, because it forced me to take rest. I know that it is so easy for us for some of us, if we work on a Sunday, we'll get double time. And we cannot afford not to do that. For others of us, we work on a shift pattern, and if we make a, make a big deal of it, they'll say, well, look, that's the job, take it or leave it. We haven't got the luxury of taking our Sabbath. For other people, we might have family members that we care for. We might have, have people depending on us. And we cannot take every seventh day as a Sabbath. That's the reality of the world in which we live. And God knows the reality of the world in which we live. But we do have the ability to choose if we're serious about wanting to take time to rest, if we are serious about taking the opportunity when it comes along, when the shift pattern allows it, when someone else can care for the, the sick relative, when, when we don't actually need this month because we've worked really hard in other hours, we can afford not to take the, the, the Sunday hours at work. 
Every now and then, we can get into the habit of being obedient to Scripture and giving ourselves every opportunity to take the rest that God commands us to take. Hebrews chapter 4 hammers home to us why this is so important. Chapter 4, verse 9. The author of Hebrews says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. You see, if we're disobedient to God's instruction in this particular um, commandment, then what does that mean? Well, it means that there's always another deadline, there's always another job to do, there's always something else to tick off, there's always, always, always something else that can replace rest. Because rest feels like doing nothing, and we're told in, co- in our culture that doing nothing is, is lazy. And sometimes it can be. If we have six days of doing nothing and one to rest, then yeah, that's not what God wants from us. That's not our best. We are made to do things. He gives us responsibilities. He makes callings on our life and asks us to respond. But... But we are all called to take rest. And if we don't, if we're disobedient to that command, then we fall foul of the world around us, where people struggle with mental health, with heart conditions, with stress-related illnesses, all brought on by, by this constant pressure, this relentless pressure from which it feels like there's no escape. God says, there is an escape Come and be with me. Come and be with me. I had a teacher who was always in school. He was a lovely guy. He retired early to spend time with his family. But the shock of suddenly not working, not having anything to do, it was six weeks after he retired that he had a heart attack and died. He didn't get any time with his family. I had a former client who... Again, you could email him at any time of the day or night, whether he was meant to be away on holiday, whether it was a weekend, any time, and you'd have a response within a couple of hours. He'd be straight back to you, because he was constantly checking emails. Every time he felt his phone, whoever he was with, whatever he was doing, wherever he was, it'd be out, he'd read, he'd respond. He took early retirement. Lasted less than a year. A former colleague of mine, he retired at the age of 52. 52. God. He'd done really well for himself up in the city. Lovely big house. He loved his cars. He had some very impressive cars. He didn't see 53. You see, the thing that they all had in common was work, 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 and no rest. And that rest was seen as a weakness. Rest was seen as, seen as something, something that people did who couldn't hack it. But God says, do you know what? You can't hack it either. And the proof's in the pudding. These three people who worked and worked and worked, lovely guys, but they didn't live to see a life without work because they had made work their master in life. Hebrews says, make every effort to enter that rest 
so that no one will perish by following the example of disobedience. So to finish up this morning, I'm going to give you another minute or two to turn back to the same people you were talking to originally. And I want you to make a commitment. This week, when are you going to take that rest? You might be thinking, I cannot physically squeeze a whole day of rest in. Okay, we'll start small. When are you going to set aside the, the, the hour, the couple of hours, the half day? When are you going to put time aside to rest? And not rest sitting there and, and checking social media or, or, or playing a game or, or doing something. Just rest and focus on God. Rest and contemplate a passage of scripture or pray. One of my most restful times, it's not, it's not one of the ones I listed earlier, but during the week, if I'm snowed under and I think I'm not giving enough time to God this week, I'll go and sit up on the balcony. It's completely empty. No one knows I'm there. And I can just sit there and pray. And do you know what I notice is when I'm sitting in my office with my screen in front of me, it's the last thing I want to go and do. Because I think, yeah, but I need to do this, and then I've got that, and then I've got that, and then I've got to be home at a certain time, and tomorrow this is happening. But as soon as I get up there and sit down and start praying, do you know what the last thing I want to do is? Walk away. Say amen. Because spending time with God, when we discipline ourselves to do it, it feels so right. It feels so good. Because it's through him that we find that true rest. Just take a couple of minutes now to share with the person next to you or near you what you're going to do this week, how you're going to take your rest. Because I think, like, like I say, spe- I, firstly, I don't think it's necessarily God's plan for us to be religious about the seventh day. Mm. I think it's just within our work, mm. make sure that you do take regular rest. Mm. Um, and I find it's very easy for me at a weekend to spend, apart from when I'm here, all my time doing household chores. Mm. Um, and it's not rest. And so I can have a weekend and people say, oh, did you, you know, did you chill out, no, and I can come back to work more tired than I was, and so being intentional about taking that rest is really important. One thing that when you go to the different bits of the Old Testament of where it mentions what we do, what not to do, yeah. and the one is like not carrying a load and stuff yes. like that, or travelling a certain distance, yeah. and then you've got to 
Yeah. And that's as the foe, that's the thing. You shouldn't have your own thoughts on the Sabbath. So then when you look at those little things of rest during the week, it's like really you shouldn't be having your own not you shouldn't, but I'm just yeah. thinking as a thing yeah. not to have your own thoughts. So if you're sitting in the garden and having your tea and then you're thinking, Oh uh, I say um but you'll probably be thinking, Oh, when am I supposed to rest or this and that but Yeah. Yes. Then that's not your yeah. Or, or yeah. sometimes, if you are prompted to, if you suddenly find yourself thinking about someone, mm. message them. How mm. you know how you're doing today? Because it mm. might be that God's put that thought into your head. Yes. And that's. Yes. But that comes from experience and discernment, yes. doesn't yes. it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Maybe they need to pray Thanks. Or something. Thanks for sharing that. That's, I better go yeah. and uh, finish up. But um, <laughs> no, it's interesting. Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to um, I'm not going to ask anyone to share because um, this is this is a commitment we're making, and um, we've got one person. Hopefully, we've all got one person in here to whom we're accountable. And maybe next week, or if you see see the person you've spoken to this morning in a couple of weeks' time, maybe you can just say, "How's the rest going? How are you getting on with that?" And of course, if they haven't, feel free to remind them that they are directly contravening one of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> so rest is important. Rest is not something we feel guilty about. Rest is not something that is, is laziness. Rest is a direct command from the God who created us, the one who put us together, the one who knows, knows us better than we even know ourselves. Rest is part of God's plan for your life and for my life. So let's make sure that in the, coming, in the coming weeks we remember that. We remember that it's important to be disciplined. Disciplined in working, yes, working hard, providing for our family, doing well, recognising what God's calling us to do, but also recognising that rest is an important part of that. And without that rest, we can't do anything else long term. God loves us. And we thank him for that. Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you for the love that is so evident throughout your word. As we read scripture, Lord, we see time and time again that in all of your instructions to us, you have our best interests at heart. You know how we're built, you know our needs, and you know that rest is so important. And Father, in a, in a world which, which is always looking for quicker, more efficient ways of doing things, Father, we thank you that you give us that command to take a regular step away from the high-octane speed of life and to rest in your presence. Lord, help us to be disciplined in following that command and help us to be a, an example to those around us. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the seasons. Thank you for the summer. And thank you for the reminder of how much you love us. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask our worship team to step forward now and close the service in sung worship.